Hello everyone, this is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adapted Physical Education. Uh, today, uh, I am going to bring you a Nick Peed APE Collaborative where they're going to discuss the APINs and what came into existence and how we can get certification and so on and so forth, uh, which the APINs is the Adapted Physical Education National Standards and they have an exam with it as well. And uh, they have Brad Wiener from Fairfax County and Tim, Dr. Tim Davis from SUNY Cortland University and uh, great colleagues, both have been on the podcast before. With that, I just want to briefly announce too, there is a new podcast out there and it is called the Talking Adapted PE Podcast and it's with a uh, colleague of mine, Chris Ahrens from San Diego School Districts. He's an APE teacher and I just think it's a really great podcast. I've listened to the first two episodes. Um, and it just came out last week, and I think it really gives us insight about the day-to-day -day life of APE teachers, which is not always the focus of this podcast. So I'm just really happy to see uh, this podcast out there, which I think looks like it's really well done. And, um, you know, I'm, I think that's awesome because people are always asking me for more content, and I don't have the capacity to always do that. And I'm just really happy to see that there's somebody else out there doing this because I think we need more and more about hearing our voices in our very small and, and niche field. All right, with that, enjoy the Nick Pete Collaborative. Um, welcome, welcome all. I'm Melissa Bittner, Assistant Professor at CSU Long Beach, and we have a very exciting day today. Um, I'm first going to introduce Deb Shapiro, who is our Nick Pede president. She's going to give a warm welcome to everyone who's joined us today. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. It uh, finally doesn't conflict with the, with classes for me, so I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to join you for, for this today and welcome everybody. I hope the beginning of the new semester is uh, going smoothly for you all. And those of you in Texas and the West Coast who are dealing with the snow and ice, I hope you're all staying staying warm and safe. So thank you all for, for joining us and being part of our, our group, our, our NCPEID family. All right, today on the agenda, uh, we are going to hear from Tim Davis, who is an assistant, an associate professor at SUNY Cortland. And we will also hear from Brad Wiener, who is the APE coordinator at Fairfax County. Um, on a, a personal note for both of them though, they both have very, very exciting springs. Um, Tim's and his wife are expecting a baby like any day. Tomorrow, <laughs> Tomorrow. February 2nd. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> so, Tell me about it. <laughs> so Brad definitely knows that if Tim gets the call, he's got this solo. <laughs> And then also exciting news as well from Brad, who's got a big upcoming wedding. <laughs> Coming up in April. Yay. So kudos to both of you. Thanks again for finding time in your busy schedule uh, to join us and present. Today, the presentation is going to be about the Adaptive Physical Education National Standards and how to get your CAPE certification to become you know, nationally recognized uh, in adapted physical education. As always, uh, this is going to be, uh, it's currently 
uh, live on Facebook through the Nickpeed Facebook page. It will be uploaded to Nickpeed YouTube and will be an upcoming episode in the What's New in APE podcast. And a big thank you, as always, to the members of our NICPED membership subcommittee, Danielle Musser, uh, the Colorado APE Conference Director, Andy Pitchford, Oregon State University, Heidi Ambrosius from Moreno Valley USD, Unified School District, and myself, and then, of course, Lainey Case from Chico State University. So with- <laughs> With further ado, I'll pass the baton over to Tim and Brad. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. This is a, a very humbling kind of experience to see all these names. This is, uh, in the words of uh, Claudine, this is all about family and creating just a bigger family. And I feel incredibly humbled, like I said, to be here uh, to talk to you. My career is focused on um, service and, and teaching and, and working with kids and sharing that information with a, a very deep passion with teachers around the country. And the national standards really gave me that platform. And I will forever feel uh, uh, obligated to Luke Kelly, you know, uh, and others. But I, I look across, I see some of these names. I see Barry LeVay, one of our first people who are, you know, on the original committee and and others along the way, Garth Timeson and others, and you know, just from different aspects, different fields, uh, it's just absolutely uh, great. My good friend Dave Gaslack and others who just continue to do great things for kids with disabilities in regards to physical education. So today, I get a chance to share a little story, and then Brad, I think you're going to break down more of the the criteria for us. So. Um, hey, there's Emily, one of my colleagues. I love it. So it's just really cool stuff. So if you'd move the slide forward, we'll get started and try not to uh, do too much uh, slow death by PowerPoint. Um, as many of you know, you know, the Action Seminar started this whole thing. And what a lot of you may not know, I was a graduate student at, at Cal State Chico um, running the Ability First program with uh, my good friend Eric Snedeker at the time. And, and uh, uh, Luke Kelly was trying to organize the, the action seminar. And my father, a lot of people may not know this, but my father, Smokey Davis, was the executive director of NASD. And he partnered with Special Olympics and with uh, the National Consortium to put on the first ever action seminar on adapted physical education, which was focused on what was happening in the gym in regards to physical education. What about kids with disabilities? So that's really what kicked off the whole thing. I came as a graduate student and I, I got lucky enough to present after Arnold Schwarzenegger presented on uh, the, the um, Ability First program. And I guarantee you, I fumbled all over the place. I actually dropped my overheads all over the floor. It was pretty funny. Go ahead, Brad, keep going. Um, from the Action Seminar though, which was really a powerful piece because the Action Seminar brought the key players it brought special ed directors. There were 21 special education state directors uh, that were in, in uh, attendance at this. And uh, of course, this was a vision by Luke and, and, and several others that there was a critical need to develop uh, a set of standards, a baseline of what an adapted PE teacher needed to know to do their job on a daily basis, right? This was really, really critical information and the classic response from one of the state directors was like, hey, you got to get PE on our radar screen before we can ever talk about standards, 
before we can ever do any of these things. And Garth, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Colorado knows what I'm talking about. We have to be advocates for physical education for kids with disabilities and get it out there um, because we have these amazing standards that, uh, that were created, obviously, back in the day, focused or, or centered around uh, uh, OSER's special ed or uh, uh, rehab services special projects grant, which was really awesome. We're in our third revision of this uh, textbook. Uh, we're going to do a fourth. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done here uh, in those standards and then ultimately with the uh, uh, certification exam and the database that goes on there. Um, for some of you who already know this, there are four content domains or areas. We had to break down all of this content because remember, the APEN standards are structured around the first thing, you know, things first. I'm a physical education teacher first. That's what I was trained to do. So the first uh, three levels of the standards are focused on what a physical education teacher needs to know about kids with disabilities. Because all you know, 95% of all kids with disabilities are served in general PE already. You know, So we have that three credit class. We might have a couple additional credits, but as you know, it's just not enough. So we needed to know what an adapted PE teacher needed to know to do their job on a day-to-day -day basis. So we created the level four, which was the understand statement, which is what a teacher should know. And then level five statements are those statements that are applied. Um, from that and a lot of data, <laughs> and Barry, you, I'm sure you're laughing at that, that statement, just a tremendous amount of data that was collected across the uh, country uh, to formulate a, a 2,500 test item database which scaled down to about 1,500 items. And now, you know, we have a subset that are about 500 items that we pull from to create the national certification exam. Go ahead, Brad. Um, our first exam was uh, administered in 1996. Yes, I was a doctoral student and uh, there was, let's see, there was Barry LeVay, there was uh, uh, Willie Gale, Monica Lepore, John Dunn, um, uh, Mike Louvis, uh, uh, Oh, it'll come to me. Jan Seaman. Um, Jan. I think I got everybody. Did I get everybody, yes. Barry? Yeah. Excellent. And, and this was an amazing group of people to sit around and listen to. And of course, I was a doctoral student, so they barked orders at me all day long and, uh, and told me to do things. But it was an amazing experience to sit through and be a part of that team. And, and from them, I feel a tremendous responsibility to carry these things forward uh, and, uh, and to move them forward as best I can in my role as chair as of the, uh, the APENS uh, project. So click forward. Everything is housed at SUNY Cortland, just so you know. Um, and there are some basic criteria. Brad, let us know about some of that basic criteria since you're a Cortland grad too. <laughs> yeah, before I get into the criteria, I think it's really important for us to know the history of how this came about and the number of people that had to come together to really advocate for our profession. So while the CAPE is there, it's really important to know how everybody came together, got that grant, and put forth a, a way for us to show that we have that knowledge base and that we uh, are able to serve those students with disabilities. Just like, you know, physical therapists go through their, their tests and occupational therapists, we have our own. So knowing how a group of people came together through NICPED and the importance of NICPED is really important to remember uh, because where we are right now, there's a lot of work that we have to do and we need to stay together as an organization, as a, as a 
profession? Since its beginning, we have about 9,000, a little over 9,000 national capes since 96. But I know we can do better. So let's yeah. keep pushing that envelope. I joined in uh, 2004. So I graduated out of college and got my cape in 2004 and then have uh, recertified twice. So a couple years out of school. But uh, certainly it's been on every signed document that I've had. And so I get to have those post-nominal letters to show people, hey, I have this knowledge base. But some of the eligibility that I needed to have in order to take that test as a practitioner was to at first have that bachelor's degree. Uh, and so like Tim shared, I got my bachelor's from SUNY Cortland in physical education. So I was able to have that. So if you're looking to take the test, you want to make sure that you have that bachelor's in physical education or something equivalent to that and then have a minimum of 12 semester hour credits uh, addressing those educational needs of individuals with disabilities. Nine of those are specifically in the area, um, specifically in the area of adaptive physical education. So for example, if you were doing a graduate program and say you started your graduate program with a kinesiology degree, but you finished with an MST in adaptive PE, a teaching certificate or teaching license, you would be eligible. So that teaching license becomes critical and you'll see that in the next criteria. That piece becomes critical to um, meeting the eligibility criteria. Go ahead, Brett. Yeah, so it's satisfactory completion of a minimum of nine credits in adaptive physical education cor coursework or three credits of the coursework and related. So uh, I'm sure, Tim, you get questions about people who have done special education or uh, speech or occupational therapy classes. So, yeah. uh, of course, we have to show that in official college transcripts. And that's important because we can't do CEUs. You know, they have to be credit uh, bearing courses from an accredited institution. So uh, whether they're undergraduate combined with graduate doesn't matter, but you've got to uh, complete or have nine credits in the area of adapted PE with three, you could be all 12 or three credits in a related field. And so you're gonna also wanna document your experience and licensure, having a minimum of 200 hours of that document experience. Typically you may get this through student teaching uh, or uh, if you're going through universities, you the university may support you in getting those 200 hours in other ways. Uh, and then you're gonna need that current valid teaching certificate in physical education. In the application, it documents or shows you how you can document that field experience. And, uh, you know, a lot of people ask about student teaching and, and or camps such as Camp Abilities or, you know, Ability First Camp or Camp Nugget. Those are all great experiences. And yes, they do count. Um, but at the end of the day, if you've been teaching a year or two years, clearly you've met that minimum criteria of 200 hours, even in an inclusive setting. It does not have to be a separate adapted PE setting. Um, and then if you have some additional questions about those experiences, you can just uh, reach out to me, uh, you know, directly. Uh, so there's also the eligibility requirements for higher ed. So uh, you need a graduate degree with documented experience, uh, evidence of either having a major in physical education, adaptive physical education, adaptive physical activity, special education, or a related area. And then a completion of a minimum of 15 credit hours of coursework specifically to adapt physical education across undergraduate and graduate degrees. 
you're going to want to record a minimum of two years of experience in higher education and then have evidence of being the instructor of a record for a minimum of 15 credit hours teaching the area of adaptive physical education and or supervising college university students in practice. And we typically document that through your department chair, um, through your annual review and your annual uh, information that comes in. You know, we don't get a lot of higher ed applications, although we do have PhD students. So we have students who are ABD um, who, uh, uh, you know, become eligible. But remember, regardless of whether you do the um, teaching application or whether you do the higher ed application, you still have to sit for the national certification exam. And so Tim brought up the, the standards. And uh, so here we have 15 standards that your exam questions would be based through. And so I'll give you a second to kind of read through them. I'm not going to read through every single standard right. here. But as you can see, how they directly relate to what you're doing within teaching. Couple of things to think about when you, when you're doing this. Um, let's say you're studying for the exam. Uh, you could start with standard one and walk right through to standard 15. I like to tell you, you know, tell teachers to highlight the information they already know, highlight the the stuff that they know, and then go back and review the things that they may not know or may not remember from you know an exercise science class or a measurement and evaluation class. But you should also know that the structures and and the the actual standards were revised in, in, in 2020. So make sure you look at the most current standards because standard six, for example, was completely rewritten around uh, the categories of uh, the 14 categories under IDEA, uh, which was much different than the original. Uh, exercise science has changed drastically. Uh, of course, Luke couldn't, could not help himself, but to change uh, you know, the curriculum theory and development and measurement and evaluation. So it's kind of fun that, you know, we kind of go back and look and we've revised many of these standards uh, and updated uh, the information to be current, not so much with trends, but more with content-specific changes that have occurred in the field. I think it's important for people to understand that trends versus content-specific changes. And talking about the studying, I think it will be really important if you can relate the standards to what you're doing. So if you're in the field right now teaching and you're going through the study materials, try to relate what you're reading to what you're doing to help you make that connection. Because a lot of the questions are going to uh, be specific in the way that they're written to uh, how you're relating it to your practice. Yeah, those are those application standards or statements, those level fives is the application of that, uh, you know, measurement and value or exercise science. Let's say, you know, children with Down syndrome have uh, heart anomalies. Uh, what is the propensity for that to occur? And so, you know, or have AAI, axial instability. So these are examples that are disability specific, but also pull in that notion of understanding exercise science. So speaking a little bit about the exam, it's 100 questions, multiple choice. You have three hours. If you don't need the three hours, that's okay. But you would have three hours. And you do have that computer-based online option. Uh, Tim, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Absolutely, Brad. So this is this is good stuff here. Um, you know, on the uh, we actually have it housed on Blackboard right now. Um, this fall, it'll shift, but you won't see any, any differences in the uh, online computer based uh, uh, 
application of the exam. Uh, there is artificial intelligence that monitors the exam. So if, for example, if you sit down and log in and you say, okay, I'm gonna start the exam. I got myself three hours. I got something to drink. I'm good to go. I'm, re I'm focused. Um, Blackboard and the uh, Respondus Lockdown Browser will automatically turn off your ability to access the internet and you will focus only on that exam. If you happen to get up and leave, when you come back, if it's been too long, the exam will shut down. If it's been like 15 minutes, the exam will shut down. Or if somebody else sits down and it's not your face, it'll shut down. So if you get up and leave and your, your spouse comes over and sits down or your significant other or your child, the computer's gonna shut down on you. So make sure you're aware of that uh, when you sit down to do uh, the actual exam. You can always go back and change your answers. Um, you have that three hour window to look specifically um, at the exam and we encourage you to answer all questions. You, there's no bonus if you, you know, if there's no formula for that. It's a hundred item, multiple choice, and you get the score, you know, based upon those hundred items. People often ask me, what is the, um, the cutoff? What, what is the pass score? And it often is, you know, based upon the, uh, the difficulty rating of the exam. So the exam can be anywhere from as low as 65 for a pass to as upwards as 71 um, for a pass. So that range of score, depending on the actual exam that you sit down and take, um, it's scored automatically. I get that information from information technology. They send it to me and then I contact you to let you know whether or not you passed the APENS exam. Um, I think that's it. I think we covered that. Yep. And if anybody was in need of ADA accommodations, we would be able to provide that. Uh, you just have to provide uh, in writing that documentation Correct. in writing to the office. If you need, yeah, if they need it online in a, in a different version or different format, we use our Office of Disabled Student Services to help us make any accommodation that needs to be done. And then, of course, just communicating with us about what your needs are, whether it's extended time or a different version, different process or someone reading to you. Uh, we've we've done just about every accommodation you, that you know you can imagine um, to allow people to uh, access the uh, APENS exam. And then you see the cost is uh, $250 to take the exam. Uh, so like I shared a little bit earlier that I, uh, as a, somebody that passes the exam, you get to have those post-nominal letters of CAPE, but you also get the uh, certification for seven years. You will receive one year of membership with NICPEED. And as we shared, NICPEED is the leading organization with what we're doing in adaptive physical education. So regardless, it's a great organization to be part of, but uh, you get one free year with the as a member. And then you'd receive one free year of uh, subscription out of Palestra. And you'll receive a certificate documenting your accomplishments. So certainly there's a lot of reason to get this certification. Absolutely. You know, that subscription is, is an electronic version. But here's something to think about, gang. A lot of, and I hear this sometimes. And I'm not just going to pick on California, Melissa, and you know others. I'm just going to say that sometimes people say, "Well, we don't need it because we already have a state certification," and that's absolutely excellent. That's that's where we all want to be. But at the end of the day, we don't have that. The vast majority of states do not have uh, language in their state regulations specific to 
adapted physical education services. And we see this really wide range of ways in which services in physical education are provided or denied kids uh, with disabilities. So that's important for you to understand. It's also important for you to think about uh, the APENS and the, and the National CAPE as being your national voice. You are contributing to a national voice and that national voice gets to be carried forward with people like, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the consortium group who goes to Washington, D.C., you know, Susanna Dillon, other people, Garth Timeson. You're, this, is, this is your national content. This is your, your national voice. And it's, it has the power because they're standards. And we have a large collection of people who have passed this. And we have this baseline of what a qualified person needs to be in order to deliver physical education for children with disabilities. And that's a lever that I don't think we use as often as we should. We should really be promoting that content and that and, and really value our content knowledge. Our, our content is different from that of physical therapy, is different from that of occupational therapy, is different from that of physical education, right? It's unique to what we provide in adaptive PE. So like I shared, uh, I took to the exam in 2004, and then seven years later, I did my recertification. Uh, my feeling is that you should start working on this prior to the expiration of your certification so you that you'll recertify. Uh, so a year before, you probably want to start getting your materials together, start looking at things. Uh, there are two options to recertify. You can retake and pass the APENS exam, or you can submit a portfolio. You know, Brad, I get questions on this one all the time about what counts, what doesn't, all these things. You know, and I always take a step back and I, and I say, wait a minute, look at the last seven years and what have you done on a professional development basis, whether it's required through your school, required through your school district, um, you know, uh, you're, you're doing professional development workshops within your school, maybe you're doing certifications, anything interdisciplinary, because if you look at the breadth of the APEN standards, it cuts across a wide variety of content. So things that, that count are certainly interdisciplinary and link to you, know, you being a better physical education teacher for kids uh, within your school. We look for documentation of that. Um, if you're short, if, if I feel like as I review the portfolio and I have others look at it, if I look at that portfolio and say, wait a minute, it's just not enough, I'll contact you and let you know, hey, can you give us more addition, additional information here or additional information there? Um, on a few occasions, uh, you know, we'll have people retake the exam, but most people go down that road of, uh, of portfolio. And we have a point system that, that we use to evaluate your portfolio and look at um, you know, your, your overall experience. And the range, you know, you've got to have 15 points with a lot of folks. I'm humbled by the amount of work you all do. It's, it's, it's evident that you are passionate about what you do uh, with your kids on a daily basis. I mean, you know, there, there's a teacher up in Minnesota schools not far from here, Teresa Yuhalski, and she just works every single day to help her kids with disabilities improve. And, and, and I see it in this litany of work that she does outside of school. And, and that's just so impressive to me. And so I sit down, I'll look at that uh, portfolio and I have others look at it as well. And, and we go through and just kind of click off these, uh, these pieces. If you've done some uh, professional development work where you've taken course credit 
to help you know increase your salary. Six credits will boost your salary in your uh, in your um, district. Then by all means, submit that information as well. Um, you know the really the, the the more you can add to these areas, uh, the better off. As you can see, there's a whole host of things here. Uh, we certainly like great teachers sharing great information with interns and student teachers. Uh, we love it when we see people do presentations. Um, you know, Brad, I, you know, you, you're presenting all over the place and lots of people like yourself and others um, have done the, the, the same thing. And, and sometimes, though, you, we don't have time to do that. Sometimes we're just locked into our own district and we're coaching and we're, we're providing unified sports or we're working with Special Olympics and, and uh, you know, doing some things like that. But it demonstrates that you're dedicated to the field of adapted PE you, you, you've sustained that service, if you will, for, for many, many years. And like I said, it's when I get a portfolio, it's always humbling. And I, I try through the newsletter to highlight some of those folks. We just we highlighted a, a teacher not too long ago from Michigan who's done an outstanding job. Uh, our national toys, our national adaptive PE toys like Brad and others are, uh, uh, you know, it's just it's really awesome to see. And I think as a profession, you know, if we think of it as a family, we need to celebrate those people in our family who are doing great work. One of the new additions to getting credits towards a portfolio is that sustained service as an adaptive physical educator. We're feeling that if you are doing that work of going to IEP meetings and developing goals and objectives and doing that work on a daily basis, then that could be part of adding some of the credits. Um, and then for higher education, you can submit that portfolio and here's some of the things providing a copy of your CV and supporting materials such as um, being a member of this organization and ongoing teaching in adaptive PE, ongoing engagement in the area of scholarship in uh, adaptive PE and uh, service to the adaptive physical education uh, profession. So higher ed has that portfolio as well. Brad, I always think about the PAPTICA model, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Plan, assess, prescribe, teach, evaluate, consult, advocate. This is all about advocacy. Barry, I see you shaking your head. Yeah, the PAPTICA model, right? So that, that stuff that came from Cheryl back in the day and, and that we all promote, it's about advocacy. It's about, you know, sharing our passion, sharing what we do, and, you know, being professional in all of these areas. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's, I just love this field so much. And, and I, I just really uh, applaud uh, my colleagues who, who, whether they do research or whether they're practical or whether they do everything in between, you know, I, I just, it's great stuff. It's great stuff to see. So there are study guides. We've mentioned them a little bit before. Uh, so, and here's some information about those study guides in terms of the book that has a web study guide. And then if you were just looking for the web online study guide alone, you have that option as well. But there are a number of sample test questions that you can go through and practice quizzes with content questions. Um, now, so this just just so you know, is separate from when you log into the APENS exam and you'll have like a little mini quiz there. That's that little mini quiz is actually designed just to let you know how the questions will come up in uh, uh, Blackboard and how it'll look on the Respondus uh, Lockdown Browser. So um, that's not the uh, the study guides. Um, and quite honestly, you know, 
a lot of, I've had some colleagues who say, hey, this isn't a real study guy. This is just sample test questions. That's true. The, you know, the book is really the study guide. You need to understand the content and uh, the authors of, of the textbook, the, you know, latest round, Susanna Dillon, um, you know, Wes uh, uh, Wilson, um, uh, Luke, Hester Henderson, my gosh, Hester. Uh, there's, there's a person that, you know, brings family to this whole field. When we think about, you know, this content, it's not, we don't deliver, we didn't deliver it in a study guide format, like you should study this content from Winnick or this content from Oxter Pfeiffer or from Christy Roth or other, some other great authors. Oh, LeVay, yeah, that guy. You shouldn't, we shouldn't, it's not about studying that content. It's about looking at that material and then going to the literature and seeking out uh, the content. So our study guide, you know, the language of study guide is really more about sample questions than anything else. Hope that made sense. Yeah, and they go through the standards and kind of break down the standards in great detail. And then, uh, like mentioned, you're going to want to have uh, maybe Winnick's book or uh, some of the other textbooks around adaptive physical education yeah. to refer to as well. I always tell my students, hey, don't throw away your library. This is your library for your professional uh, as a professional. And, it, it, and again, the APEN standards cut across everything from exercise science to consultation and psychology and all these other content areas. So you really need to have a library to turn to. If you don't, there are, like Brad said, several texts, but there isn't one text that actually represents all the content. It just doesn't exist. Um, not one, I think Don made a pretty good shot at it there when, with his book at one time, but you know, th there's just so much out there. It cuts across so much content. So. At the end of the day, uh, you really need to have a library uh, of resources. Go through the standards. Look at the ones you know. Hey, I know that. I know that. I use that every day. Okay, great. I know that. Oh, this one I've never heard of. What do they mean by, you know, um, TGMD3? Hmm, I've never heard of that before. Well, let's hope not. But, you know, or the Brockport Fitness. I've never heard of the Brockport Fitness. What is that? So, you know, those are things that if you've never heard those or use those, then maybe you should go look those up. And one of the things I love to say, I, I think about a lot is that whether you pass the exam or not, just simply studying helps you become more knowledgeable. If you're more knowledgeable, you're going to make a better decision about the kids with disabilities you teach in PE on a day-to-day -day basis. And we want an adapted PE, a nationally certified adaptive PE teacher in every school district in the country, which is about, you know, I think what, 14,000 school districts. And, and don't quote me on that. I think Garth said that one time. And so, you know, there's a lot of PE teachers out there that are providing services that don't have this content. So if we just study it, you'll be more knowledgeable. We'll do a better job of providing services. So visiting the apens.com uh, website will allow you to access the materials so that you can apply to take the exam? Yeah, apens.com will actually take you to the consortium. So, but even if you just typed in apens, you'll find us. And here's that content that Brad's referring to. Shout out to Mason and, and uh, Dallas Jackson and others who helped uh, put this website together. Of course, Suzanne and others just did a phenomenal job at, uh, at putting this content uh, from the old website to the new website.
And so you're visiting Nick Pede's website. And so they offer a lot of different things that you can look at. But while you're here, if you're here for A-pens, you can just highlight the A-pens and see a, a list. And you can drop down to A-pens certification. And that would be the initial certification. And then the apply for whichever one you're going to apply for, practitioner or higher ed. If you're not unsure which one you should apply for, um, reach out and contact me directly. Uh, the vast majority, if you have a master's degree uh, and you're not teaching in higher education, but you're an administrator or you're in, the, in a school setting, I'm going to have you take or do that first one, the professional physical education uh, application. But if you are a doctoral student, you are in higher education, you actually provide or teach, your majority of your job is is teaching in higher education. Uh, Matt Lucas, uh, others did this, you know, doing a great job where he's at in Virginia and really doing some really cool stuff with IEP development, then higher education would be what you want to do. Also, Matt, Virginia grad, gotta love that. Gotta give a shout out to our Virginia grads, you know. <laughs> so all the information that we went over today is on that, uh, the website. So you can just visit the website and get all the information that we went over today. I showed right. you. Thanks, Brad. Uh, awesome. So of course, that's like me. Thing, that's yep. <laughs> yeah, that's me. And like I said before, it's uh, just reach out to me. You know, my office, my cell, or you know, any of that information. The network, the network of adapted PE teachers that I've been blessed. To, to work with has, has just been phenomenal. Um, Garth and others, you know, who are now retired know, know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, whether we're calling Pam Skogson in Alaska or we're, we're still working with, you know, Christine uh, down in Florida or we're, you know, wherever we happen to be, you know, Michelle and others all across the country, we're, we're, we're connected. And uh, we're connected not only through APENS and, and through the CAPE, but, you know, really we're connected through you know, our passion to work with children with disabilities and provide the best services ever. So that's where we're at. Um, we're ready for questions, Brad. We're ready for questions. All right. So it really All wasn't right. death by PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and bounce out. Let's go to the main Zoom screen. What hey, questions? Emily. All right. We highlighted Emily not too long ago in the newsletter, the Cape newsletter. Awesome. Barry, did I see you have a question? Yeah, I just want a, a, a nice presentation, Brad and, and Tim. And I just want to uh, acknowledge Tim. He's been there since the beginning. And he's the thread that's been with APENS all those years. And uh, he's really contributed to the profession that way. And so uh, I just wanted to mention that. One issue I want to talk a little bit about APENS that I think gets overlooked Um when I was fortunate enough to be on the committee to develop the standards, and I was a pretty young professional, it was only like my third or fourth year in higher ed. Um, and so throughout the rest of my career, I basically really, um, anytime I was putting materials together, syllabus or whatever, I just thought, I thought about the APENs and the content. And, and Tim, I'd like your thoughts a little bit about, I think, you know, and this might be a bias on my part, but I think a lot of times uh, it gets overlooked. A lot of the higher ed people could really look at, at 
the eight pens and and the and the content, especially like four and five, where hey, am I teaching these things to my university students and preparing them? And um, I, I think a lot of times the test is always discussed, but that was one of the original. Um, you know, objectives is that let's have a body of knowledge and adaptive PE because we didn't have that before. But uh, I'm curious, exactly. Tim, like any any yeah, other I thoughts about that? Certainly speak to that. I, I can't emphasize enough. So two parts to that. One, um, remember, even if you were teaching methodologies, PEAT methodologies, you know, basic, uh, uh, you know, elementary ed or secondary ed, you know, turn to the APEN standards because the first three levels are what a physical educator should know right. about children with disabilities, right? Uh, the, the NASPE standards were not written when these were written. So those came out mm -hmm. much later. And, and Brad and others kind of did a nice comparison as of late with standards. And of course, many of you know, SHAPE standard, we're, we're in the process of changing our the PEAT standards. So which standards are, are you going to look at and use? So I strongly encourage you to consider um, looking at the standards from that perspective. Now, for those of us in higher education who have programs, we, if you look at our syllabi, our syllabi have two standards. We have the SHAPE standard, the, the teacher education standard, and then we have the APEN standard. So the APEN standard of what, what particular standard and what levels does that class or course endorse and, 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 or cover? And you'll find if you sit down with this content, and I trust me, I've been through the content a lot, as many of you know, you, there is just not a single program out there that's comprehensive enough to address all of it, right? So it, it, it says a lot to me about how valuable our knowledge base, that content base, Barry, you're talking about, about is, is, is and how critical that is. And I think as advocates out in the schools, like Emily, I know you, you've been to this battle before, you know, going uh, up against your school district to say, hey, this is the content I need to know to do my job. And this is my job. And it's defined here. And this is how it's defined. All those standards support that um, connection from higher education all the way down into the schools or not down, but out, out into the schools, uh, working with days, a little guy, working with little guys just like that. Right. So good stuff. Thanks, Em. Renee, do you have a question? Yeah. Um, Hey, Dr. Davis. Um, my question was just how long after you submit um, the application to sit for the exam, how long until you hear back if you were accepted to sit for the exam or not? Thanks, Renee. <laughs> Great question. And it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's been a tough question, tough uh, six months for me because I've been in the process of trying to replace somebody in my office. So sometimes it could be a week. Sometimes it's a little longer. All the uh, APEN's emails go through Mason, through the National Consortium, and then they trickle over to me and the actual APEN's piece. But you can email me or call me directly, um, and we can get that process going. For some of you, it happened a little quicker than others. Um, and so my apologies for those if it took a little longer to get the information uh, to you. Um, but I do this on a voluntary basis. Uh, I try to dedicate one the Friday of every week to APENS and replying to APENS emails uh, and APENS calls. Um, and boy, I tell you, sometimes there's a lot. Other times it's a little thin. Um, but at the end of the day, you're all very valuable. And, and I appreciate your patience on getting back. Maybe we can get the consortium board to, 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 to you know, figure something out there. We can uh, 
make it a position at some point in time in the future. I don't know. We'll see. Cool. Thank you. Great question, Renee. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Other questions? Uh, this is Matt Lucas uh, down in Virginia. Tim, I have a question for y'all. Um, the uh, uh, Let's see. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of how to uh, explain it. Oh, um, how often do y'all go through and, and revise the questions? Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. And we're in the actually in the process of uh, getting the consortium to get another round of, of uh, revisions going. Uh, typically, in order to do revisions, we reach out to our uh, membership and we go and have different populations of students and different populations of professionals take subsets or small exams, uh, 10 to 20 questions. We have right now structured 11 exams. Wes Wilson, thank you for all that work back in the day to get that moving. Um, but we're in that process, Matt. And what we're gonna be looking for uh, from the consortium is folks in higher education who can help us out in terms of dissemination of those tests so that we can get data back and then go through uh, what we call an NGOF uh, score and scoring process in order to select the, uh, the test items that um, actually measure what an adaptive PE teacher should know. And then we get rid of the test items that, that aren't quality test items. Okay, thanks. Uh, another thing was, um, I, mean, I remember originally uh, when the test started and then I think about 13 states were recognizing it in some way. Uh, what is the number of states that really um, recognize it? So, so actually, in terms of recognition, um, that there, let me kind of rephrase that. Um, there are about 13 states, and there's we kind of go back and forth between 13 and 14 states with um, what states recognize adaptive PE or who have contents in their state language, their state ed documents about adaptive PE. There's a handful of states that actually recognize the CAPE certification. Alaska is one of those. Michigan is one of those. Susanna did a phenomenal job there in Michigan before she left and continues to advocate there. Uh, Pam Skogsek continues to advocate in Alaska. Uh, we're hoping to get Colorado, Garth, we're hoping to get Colorado to take a look at that, Washington to take a look at that. Um, we've had teachers in California actually have school districts raise their salary because they asked for a letter from the president of the consortium and the chair of APENS to say, listen, we made this, we earned this national certification. It's equivalent to a national teacher board. We want that salary increase. Come on, you know, you have to advocate for yourself. And there's a couple teachers, like I said, and Heidi knows this out in California that did this and, and you know, kudos to them. So there's such inconsistency across the country as it relates to um, not only the service called adapted physical education, the way in which those services are delivered, but more importantly, the way in which we look at a qualified individual to provide those services. So Matt, your question is, is, is spot on and I, I appreciate it greatly. Uh, thanks for the answer. Uh, Kristen, you've got a question. Hi, Kristen Morgan here. Um, I have a question about the higher education faculty CAPE certification. 
So it says that you need a 15 credit hours of college coursework, either undergrad or graduate in adapted physical education. If one doesn't have specifically APE courses, are they ineligible to get the higher education, you know, CAPE? Because um, some courses that I took weren't necessarily titled like an adapted PE course, but maybe it was like a neurological development course, or maybe it was, you know, um, more like an assessment based class that we talked a lot about, like the TGMD theory, you know, that had a lot of APE content, but it wasn't titled on maybe my transcripts as being like an APE course. Kristen, that's a great question. And uh, the way I'm going to answer this kind of my own experiences when I went through the doctoral program at UVA, I brought in a lot of public school and, and, and practitioner, you know, kind of oriented information. I knew about adaptive PE, you know, at least I thought I did till I met the Luke and, and Marty. But uh, at the end of the day, it was this idea that, you know, I wanted to create my own doctoral program. And so I was lucky enough to be able to do that. And so having, you know, I was able to go into special education and work with some really amazing people in the field of special ed out of, out of, uh, Virginia and, and, and do some amazing work in family systems theory and some other things that just made me a better, well-rounded, uh, uh, you know, professor and doctoral candidate. So having said that, yes, we look at content beyond the scope of just this narrow, like adapted PE component, you know? Um, so every application is an individual application and I'll work with you and look at, at that content. And I might ask you to send the syllabi. Or, or the course description, you know, if we're unsure and we're not, you know, we, we, one thing that we do not do is we tend not to count your traditional pedagogy courses like elementary ed, you know, secondary education, PEAT courses or motor development or motor behavior. Those are just standard courses that a physical education teacher has to take to become certified. But when we build beyond the scope of that, and we're looking at lifetime physical activity, or we're looking at, you know, really uh, specific uh, advanced motor learning, motor development type stuff, um, then yeah, there's there's always room for negotiation and discussion about those credits. Tim what, and Brad, what do you think are the biggest challenges for APENS in the future on a, a, any level or not just administration of the test? Just what, what do you what do you see as some of the future challenges? Go ahead, Brad. I think one of the challenges is always uh, getting people to know about APENS and being uh, personally motivated to take the exam, to sit down for the exam. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of advocacy that we need to do to make sure that first people know that APENS uh, is an exam and that there's this national certification. Another thing is then to uh, promote it to administrators and to get administrators to really understand the value of it, just as the same as, again, physical therapy, occupational therapy, or other uh, areas taking in nas becoming nationally certified in their profession. Uh, so certainly, if we can get the administrators to have value that strengthens our profession as a whole throughout the United States. I'm going to chime in on that with a little personal story. Um, I was up in, in Chico, I was teaching at Paradise High School, and my father, who was a state director of special education for the state of Nevada for 20 years, was the executive uh, director for NASD for many, many years, came to visit. And uh, he went to the school where I was at. He went to the principal, and uh, he asked where Tim was. You know, uh, he's an adaptive PE teacher here. And the principal's response was 
he's down the hall and out the door. And I'll never forget that comment that my father made because it resonates so much with many administrators that I talk to now. Physical education is not on their radar screen. Um, you know, uh, I mentioned this to Garth back in the day, Joe Fisher, an amazing state director for the state of Illinois at the action seminar said, hey, you've got to put physical education on our radar screen in order for us to address it because it's not. So just like Brad is saying, we need to be advocates and in front of state directors. We need to be in front of superintendents. We need to be in front of chief school officers. We need to go to conferences outside of our little comfort zone called SHAPE and NAHPL and all the others and you know NCPID. This is our this is our family. We are we're talking to each other. We need to go to NACI. We need to go to CEC. We need to go to the special ed state conferences and um, and talk to school administrators because trust me, they're struggling with physical education. I get consultation, you know, I, I do consultation all over the country, and I know Garth's doing this and a lot of others, Kiki McPeak down in North Carolina. You know, there, there's an endless amount of work that needs to be done uh, as it relates to advocating for quality physical education. And from what I can gather by the fact that they is they eat it up as soon as we deliver it, um, you know, they need this. It's how do we facilitate a way to get it there? The National Consortium has structures, committees that can help get our content in front of uh, uh, school administrators. There's a school, if you're not familiar with it, um, Brad and others worked on this. Garth worked on the school administrators, uh, what school administrators should know about Adapt to PE. That's on the consortium website as a resource. Absolutely excellent. Um, you know, you're, you're presenting at your state conference. Um, you know, it's, it's those types of things that put not only quality PE on the radar screen and what quality physical education looks like for all kids, but it, it highlights how important our content knowledge is in terms of delivering services. So Barry, to, to get you know, to your question specifically, uh, there are different, pop, different parts of the country that do a much better job than others. Uh, sure. Our mission is to raise that bar across the nation. And right. so we need representation in all of these states. Uh, so we love it if you went out and did an APEN's presentation at your special ed program or at, at your state uh, uh, CEC conference, uh, any, any state principal conference, anything like that, that hooks in school administrators. Right. I was gonna throw this out there. Scott, uh, if, if you're not uh, familiar with Scott, um, What's his last name? Scott McNamara. 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 Thank you. Scott McNamara has done a really beautiful job at, at, at doing the webinars and, and his uh, podcasts. And he had a couple where we he was talking about how uh, your special education textbooks, right? Special education textbooks don't have the accurate information about adapted physical education in those textbooks. And it's often the last chapter, chapter 18, chapter 19, right? Um, so it's, it's the content that's not there, that isn't highlighted, that needs to be, needs to be addressed. And, um, you know, again, um, I, I did a lecture just recently for a special ed class up the hill here at Cortland, about 60 students, uh, you know, special ed, future special education teachers. And um, I just asked by a show of hands, 
hey, how many of you loved physical education when you were in school? And I got about eight hands, about eight, right? And I'm like, oh, that's not good, right? Those are future school administrators. Those are future right. people who are going to make decisions about physical education. So we need to go to the IEP meeting. We need to advocate from that level all the way up. So PE teachers go to the IEP meeting. We need to advocate at the state level and present, and we need to let people know um, how important our content is. All right. Um, Melissa, can I yeah, add ahead. one quick thing? Because Barry asked about what the um, what some of our challenges are in um, the future. And I think one of the things that we have to be super mindful of is that we've seen that reduction in the number of teachers that are going or students who are pursuing teacher um, education as a major. And right. if we see those great students who are um, really, we know could, could move forward and go into APE, we need to recruit them and capture them early. If you're out in the field, um, be open and willing to receive student teachers so that a part of their student teaching experience is in the, the area of adapted physical education. I think we're gonna have a hard time as there's such a hot um, market, continuing to recruit high caliber folks to APE um, when they can get two and three and four um, job offers upon graduation. And we know that the pipeline is getting smaller for the number of people who would actually come out and be eligible to apply for our graduate um, positions in APE. Great points. Hey, kudos to Garth Timerson to help get rights law information up to date and current in terms of physical education. Go to rightslaw.com, look up PE, adapted PE. One group that we forgot about to mention here, parents. You got to get information, quality content, quality information in front of parents. Let them know that you're using evidence-based practices like exercise connection. Let them know that you're doing the work that you need to do to uh, make sure that their child is successful in physical education. And, you know, it, it just, again, it highlights all the good work that we do. So parents uh, go to parent organizations and, and present, um, you know, you got good students, like Susanna said, let's get them out there and get them into quality programs like TWU and all the others. Um, hey, we got a slew of Cortland grads out there in the world. It's, you know, almost a thousand Pete majors here at Cortland, believe it or not. So got a few kicking around. Alan, you have a question? Yeah, I do. Um, thanks, Brad, for responding to my text and uh, Dr. Davis for responding to my emails. Um, regarding recertification, when you go attend like MAPEC conferences and you attend like workshops within you know, our field of adapted PE, like do you need a certificate when you're adding that to the portfolio or do you just need a copy of like, um, say they did like a tiny URL like thing to register for, you know, to show that you actually attended those workshops? Um, and like when I do my CPI training for crisis intervention and proper restraints and holds, like, do you need a list from each person or like, how does that work when you submit that paperwork? Alan, that's a great question. And typically I rely mostly on your annual report, the information that you give to your school, your school administrator to look at like APPI, look at your, your annual review information. Uh, most of that will have exactly that detail that you're talking about. If it doesn't, you should put that in there um, and highlight that within your portfolio so we can go back and, and review that. I'm not, I'm not, honestly, I'm not going to pick up the phone and call, you know, whatever program to see if you attended a conference. Um, 
I trust in your uh, honesty and, and your depth and reflection um, of what you put together within your portfolio. Um, you know, we're connected enough to know, you know, where things are and, and, and what people are doing. Okay. And I'm, I'm grateful my county and the state of Maryland, we actually, we, we do get reimbursed for being a, um, a have passed APEN's exam and have our CAPE certification. So and they just upped awesome. it $3,000 this year. So it's nice that Beautiful. they're finally recognizing us. Excellent. That's great to hear, Brad. Nice work. Way to be a great advocate in Maryland. You in Virginia now. <laughs> hey, hey, Melissa, do you think Tim earned, uh, based on his presentation, he earned a couple of days off so he can help his wife with the delivery? Or what, what do you think? Should we vote Absolutely. on that? <laughs> huh? um, yeah, a big thank you again, since we're wrapping up here at one o'clock. Big thank you to Tim and Brad for the, the presentation. Much needed. Um, in addition, uh, Nick Pede is tossing around the idea of putting together a monthly like study group for studying the APEN standards to get ready for uh, you know upcoming CAPE test. So more information will be coming out soon with regards to a national study group via Zoom that people can jump in and do some like gamification, so some like games activities to study for the contents. Right, Barry? You're jumping in? Yeah. That sounds like yeah. fun. <laughs> awesome. But thank you. Some folks Gamification. Up, folks up in Washington that's going to need some help with that. Tony Bader and others are doing a phenomenal job up there. Um, you know, go check her out. Seek her out if you're up in shape. And uh, I think this is all great stuff, uh, without a doubt. These states are really starting to foster and develop uh, programs where teachers can get those additional credit hours. So um, we just need to for it to take off. All right. Thanks again, Tim and Brad. Till next time. Bye all. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Great to see everybody. Bye-bye.